Cinema Obscura. From KYW in Philadelphia, it's a look at movies that may not exactly be considered mainstream. Had a limited run upon release, but definitely worth a look. This week, it is a look at the 1962 horror sci-fi thriller The Brainiac and the 1998 romance drama The Room. I'm Steve Nikhazy, and I'm joined by independent Philadelphia filmmaker Andre Bennett. And the big news this week, Andre, the release of your latest video. What's it all about? It is a music video for the band Electric Six. It's also a sequel to a short film that I did about five years ago with members of that band. And it's done in uh, a silent film style. It's uh, done in this sort of old-timey period fashion, even though there's also a lot of it that's quite anachronistic. But the band really digs it, and uh, people responded well to it. It's uh, The song is called I Got the Box. It's from their... Last album, Fresh Blood for Tired Vampires, they just put out a new one called How Dare You, and it uh, was great working with them. I've uh, I've known you know the lead singer and members of the band for uh, for a while now, and I hope that uh, we get to work together again soon. Well, how can people see this? It's available to view on the band's Facebook and also on YouTube. Just search uh, for Electric Six. I got the box. Also, I did tweet a link to it. And, of course, my Twitter is Frankie13 with the word 13, not the number. Pretty uh, pretty entertaining stuff. And uh, check it out if you get a chance. Thank C- you. Congratulations on that. We begin with a black and white feature from the early 60s. A baron is convicted of witchcraft and other crimes and vows he will get revenge from the descendants of his judges as he is burned alive. And hundreds of years later, a comet that passes over as he died reappears, as does the baron. In the main course on his menu, the human brains from his victims in a movie called The Brainiac. So the original title of this movie is El Baron del Terror which, you know, literally translates to the Baron of Terror. And don't you think that's a much better title? I think it is, yeah. Yeah, you know, the Baron of Terror sounds like, uh, sounds much more commanding than the Brainiac. It does. But the first thing that jumps out to me when I think of the movie is the face of the Baron, the monster. Yes, it's, uh, my goodness, the creature design in this movie is, I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> because it's definitely grotesque, but... In a way that's just kind of – it feels it, – it just looks not entirely great. I don't know. It doesn't look like they had a whole lot to work with there as far as budget. You know, it's a B feature. But the sets are great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's that. They got that going for but them. But the mask is right out of Foreman Mills. Yes. I did like not the – Not that there's anything wrong with Foreman No, no, Mills. no. Foreman <laughs> Mills is fine. Um I do like the idea of the forked tongue being used to extract the human brain matter from from his victims, although that makes no actual physical sense. Mm -hmm. And a trumpet sounds as the Baron flicks his punishing tongue, and it's kind of comic after a while because it happens, uh, you know, ever so often in the movie. Yeah. It's – okay, so this movie, the, the star of it, Abel Salazar, who plays the Brainiac, the Baron Vitellius, he is uh, also the producer like uh, of this movie and it's like there's a lot of it that just it, – it kind of does feel like a vanity project in a way because there's a lot of shots of him just glowering and staring and mm-hmm. there's a lot of him just sort of looking intense and I'm like there's a lot of staring in this movie. <laughs> 
Now, as, as yeah. far as quality, it's weird because it's hard to gauge the acting in this because of the English dub, mm-hmm. which is not very good. Yeah. And this was a inspiration for a Frank Zappa song. It was. It did inspire Frank Zappa and I believe also Captain Beefheart. So it is a very influential, important movie in that respect as far as music. It's, it's one of those movies that's very mystery science theater quality. In fact, there is a riff tracks of it available, so okay. they had the same idea. But it's kind of wonderful in a way. You know, I love these B-movies from that era that start out with kind of a science lesson. Yes, yes. And uh, actually, in the, in the clip we have, it's very much that. It's a, it's a bit of an astronomy lesson between uh, the, this professor character and the two uh, protagonists, uh, a pair of astronomers. There's a comet. Here's a clip from The Brainiac. How's your memory tonight, Vicky? Of all the reappearing comets that you've studied, can you remember at least two that are very important and how often they appear near Earth? Well, Olver's, every 72 years it draws near Earth, Halley's cycle is every 76. Perfect. It's your turn, Ronnie. Tell me. Halley's draws near the Sun, but how close does the comet get to the Sun? 3,258,000,000 miles, Professor. Mm. And then it's perihelion. I think 54 million miles. Perfect, young man. Well, I'm glad you two came to the observatory tonight because it's especially important. Look at these. Now, these books here were written around 300 years ago, and they all mention in one section the appearance of a strange comet, a comet that was seen during 1661. A clip from the Brainiac, and uh, Andre, it might be difficult to find a good print of this movie. It is because I don't think it's commercially available here. It is uh, in the public domain. I found it on uh, archive.org and there's so many questions like there's a pair of hapless cops trying to figure out who's killing all these people and all of a sudden in the end, they show up and they know everything and they got flamethrowers and like where did they figure this out? They were like (laughs) terrible at their jobs for most of this movie. It's just – but it's so worth seeing if only just to make fun of it and it's a lot of fun for that reason. Put it on your list, The Brainiac. Cinema Obscura. Up next, a certified cult movie that is finding new life for the release of a docudrama film. The, a successful San Francisco banker has a pretty good life with his wife-to-be, but out-of-focus turmoil ensues when she fools around with his best friend in The Room. Oh, yes. Uh, his future wife... <laughs> Okay, so I've seen The Room a number of times. I have it on DVD signed by one of the actors. But this is this was your first time. Yes, yes. Seeing The Room at all. Like let alone, you know, the live experience. This is your first time seeing it entirely. So what did you think? We saw it last night and it's it's the most fun I've had at the movies in a long long time. And you can only think back to the heyday of Rocky Horror where people knew the lines and through rice and that kind of thing. And and it is the same kind of experience because there are so many bizarre angles in this movie. Why did they do this? Well, let's go, let's run with it. And the, the entire audience does. And this movie is not to be viewed alone. Horror has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I've seen it on my own, but it's a lot more fun with, with people. It's just one of the most astonishing. Astoundingly, astonishingly bad, yet incredibly enjoyable movies I've seen in a long time. It's entirely a showcase for the uh, for the inimitable Tommy Wiseau. 
though, though many try, and James Franco seems to come close with this movie, The Disaster Artist. Tommy is Tommy's Tommy. It's yeah. it's hard to. I yeah. met him once. He did. He does a Q and A for this. Like he goes around to different cities and does Q and As. And about I want to say once a year he comes here. And I went to uh, one of those screenings where he showed up, and the man is the real deal. He's really that weird. <laughs> and he is uh, very cooperative with this with this latest project. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because the book is. Tommy is a famously private person, and it's been it's been thought that the book was seen as a bit of a betrayal because there are personal details revealed in it. But everything seems to be water under the bridge. Uh, Tommy is like doing press for it. He seems to get along very well with James Franco, mm-hmm. who who plays him in it. Well, we have a clip from the room, and I'll help you set it up. The dialogue could have been written by high school, junior high school kids, which kind of adds to the charm of the film. It it could have been, but it was written by a man who seems to have a fascination with what it means to be young in America, but no experience on that topic. He also has a fascination with James Dean and Tennessee Williams, which is evident throughout the entire movie. Tommy Wiseau is a fascinating, fascinating man. This movie is a, an incredibly intensely personal movie, you can tell. And this clip is just, oh my God. Uh, it's It comes after Tommy's character, Johnny, is accused of hitting his fiance, or as he says uh, throughout the entire movie, his future wife, Lisa. And uh, he has a talk with his best friend, Mark, about it. And uh, I, this movie... The fact that we're talking about it, it's just like it defies description in, in many ways, but uh, we're just giving it our best shot. Let's let's play the clip. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's both. I did not hit her. I, I did, did not. not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hey, Johnny. What's up? I have a problem with Lisa. She said that I hit her. What? Well, did you? No, it's not true. Don't even ask. <laughs> What's new with you? Well, I'm just sitting up here thinking, you know. I got a question for you. Yeah. You think girls like to cheat like guys do? What makes you say that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just... I'm just thinking. I don't have to worry about that because Lisa's loyal to me. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. I used to know a girl. She had a dozen guys. One of them found out about it, beat her up so bad she ended up in a hospital on Guerrero Street. <laughs> What a story, Mark. Yeah, you can say that again. I'm so happy I have you as my best friend, and I love Lisa so much. Yeah, man. Yeah, you are very lucky. I'd love to do a newscast in that voice. It would be my last one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So just that, oh, hi, Mark, that took a day. He kept <laughs> okay. flubbing it. It, it, took, it took so many takes to get that one shot right of him walking onto the roof. It's amazing the story of this movie is 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 even more fascinating than the movie itself um it's no surprise they're making a movie of it i've read the book i've also just read every interview i can find about it It, it, things the conditions on that movie i mean everyone in the cast deserves praise apparently it was like sweltering hot uh tommy went through three directors of photography he shot the movie with two cameras side by side, one in 35 millimeter, one in digital. 
I asked him about that, and that's the one thing he regrets doing on that movie, the two-camera thing. It's like of all the things you would regret – and the script itself is just unrelenting in its cliches, its continuity errors, and its misogyny because yeah. the whole thing can be boiled down to women are crazy slash evil. And I'm just like – Tommy Wiseau, just this is like a this is like a, a voyage into his into his mind and experience, and I'm just like, I don't, I, I, I can't, I can't. Fit. It's, 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 it's so, it's so wild. Well, uh, if if you make the voyage, hopefully you will find your way out, and it is the room, and see it before you see the disaster artist, and it's going to be interesting to see how popular the disaster artist is. Definitely. Hopefully, it'll make more than the eighteen hundred that the room made, made during its original run. Eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred. It cost six million dollars to make, and it's in its original two week run in L.A. It only took in eighteen hundred dollars, <laughs> and it only really towards the end of that got popular because a couple of guys saw it and thought, "This is this is a thing we have to make a thing. This, this is gold. It's gold, Jerry. It is gold. <laughs> yes. right. Parting thoughts this week. Whatever happened to? Uh, to Lisa's mother <laughs> with her breast cancer. That's true. That's, maybe that'll be the next movie. Yes. No. no. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, thanks again, Andre. Thank you, Steve. Cinema Obscura. And I'm Steve Nicasey, along with Andre Bennett. Cinema Obscura is recorded and produced in the KYW studios in Philadelphia. For more shows, check out the new radio.com app on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Thanks for listening.